Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. The Yes Collective is an emotional health studio run by the best therapists and psychologists around. Our team focuses on cutting edge approaches like internal family systems, somatic therapies, authentic relating, and trauma-informed experiential group practices. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to learn more. I'm Justin Wilford, PhD, Director of Content and co-founder of Yes Collective. And each week I join my host, Jenny Walters, licensed therapist and co-CEO of Yes Collective to bring you the most amazing cutting edge therapists, psychologists, coaches, and other leaders in emotional health. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. We just finished week one of our newest four week studio circle, which I'm leading called Internal Family Systems for Your Daily Life. In this podcast episode you're listening to, I talk with lead trainer for the IFS Institute, Sue Richmond, licensed clinical social worker. If what you hear makes you wanna dive deeper, then you can still hop into the Yes Collective Network with a free seven day trial. You can find the link in the podcast notes. You can join the IFS studio circle right away, get the recordings from last week and jump in live with us on Tuesday evening, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can join us live and just start practicing with us. It's really powerful. Uh, We had an amazing first week. So uh, if you're already a member of the Yes Collective, then there's a link also in the show notes uh, for this podcast and click that and it will take you right in. So throughout these four weeks, we're gonna be learning about the paradigm shifting model of internal family systems. We're gonna be discovering how all of your parts inside work to protect and defend you and how there are no bad parts. We'll be connecting more deeply with our true self and all of our parts. We're gonna be practicing these IFS skills or tools of noticing, listening, witnessing, holding, and caring for our parts. We're going to be learning about tools that are going to help us relax and trust the the flow and the, the connection of our hearts. And then we're going to open up opportunities to bring IFS into our relationships, uh, our personal projects, our career, our uh, spirituality. So it's really meant to just bring this stuff into everyday life. So if you're really into IFS or you've just heard about it, you're going to love the studio circle, but you're also going to just love this podcast where I interview Sue Richmond. Uh, She's a licensed clinical social worker, but more importantly for this podcast, she is a lead trainer with the Internal Family Systems Institute. So she received a Bachelor of Arts degree from Keene State College and her Master's of Social Work degree from the University of Connecticut with a specialization in social group work and casework. She works with people living with a wide range of disorders, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and a variety of stress-related disorders. She's also taught social work and individual and group psychotherapy at a variety of institutions. I met Sue when I was a trainee in the Internal Family Systems Institute Level 1 training program. She was the lead trainer and quite honestly, she just knocked it out of the park. It was amazing to watch her expertly and nimbly explain the intricate details of the IFS model and also demonstrate the model with other trainees. Sue is also an expert in group IFS 
manifest therapy, which we love here at Yes Collective. And beyond that, Sue is just a gem of a human being. And honestly, I just wanted to use this podcast as an excuse to steal an hour of her time. So without further ado, here is the wonderful, the wise, the amazing Sue Richmond. We are so excited to have you on, Sue, because you're a leader in an approach to psychotherapy called internal family systems. Uh, And I'll just quite honestly, I'll say that this approach has changed my life. It has changed my family's life. Um, And now that I work uh, both individually and in groups, I can see how it changes others' lives. So I'm like really excited about IFS and I'm super excited to talk about to talk about it with you because I had the pleasure of being your student in the internal family systems Institute level one. Um, Mm -hmm. and I got to watch you work over the course of, I guess what I think it started in January and ended in May. And, um, and just over that time period, it was, it was just such a delight every single time to see how smoothly, like it's so clear that this model is just, it's like in your bones. And it was just so, so smooth. I couldn't wait to have you on to talk more about it. So Sue, I'll, I'll just, I'll just stop there and I'll say, how, how does that land for your parts? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, they're just feeling all kinds of loved up right now. Thank you. Thank you. That's, they, they just, they're feeling all kinds of loved up um, and appreciated and really seen. Yeah. The teacher, the teacher in me is feeling very seen. So thank you. Yeah. Oh, and then just to top it off at the end, you revealed that it was your first time as a lead trainer. And I mean, I'm telling like, I, I, I heard the audible gasps amongst my fellow students are like, what? Oh yeah. Because it was, it was, yeah, it was wonderful. So Sue, first uh, I would love, now I got to hear the story, but I would love for listeners to hear Mm -hmm. your story about how you discovered IFS Mm -hmm. and then, well, really discovered the whole mental and emotional health world, IFS, and then eventually became a leader in IFS and a lead trainer. Okay. It's, it's a journey. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The, the mental health world, gosh, that started That started back in 1989, working in group homes with what was then called emotionally disturbed kids, ages, gosh, 10 through 17 at a group home that was awful. It was probably the worst job I ever had. Gave me PTSD for a lot of years because it was, I I was literally assaulted multiple times. I'm a little bit of a thing and some of those kids weren't. And it, it really poisoned the well for me for a long time. Uh, I mean, really just, I thought, oh my God, I can't, you know, A, I'm never going to work with kids and B, you know, wh- what am I doing with my life? You know, I graduated from college in the eighties with an English degree and, you know, what am I going to do? And I had a bunch of jobs and I thought, oh, you know, let me, let me do a give back kind of job. And I, that was bad. And then a bunch of years went by with me kind of floating here and there, doing a lot of volunteer work. Uh, always, always, that was always important to me. That's an heirloom in my family. 
you know, among the legacy burdens, we have our heirlooms and that's one of them in my family. And ultimately, you know, back in the late nineties, I started toying with the idea of going to graduate school and being a grown up and stop, you know, doing this job and that job and in between working in restaurants to pay the bills and that kind of stuff. And I uh, was seeing uh, somebody at the time, a girlfriend of mine, whose mom ran day treatment programs. And she said, Hey, why don't you volunteer for my program? It's a group evening substance abuse program. And you can learn how to run some groups and do things like that. And that was probably 96 to 97. Yeah. I mean, it was such an opportunity. Today it would be completely illegal. (laughs) 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 The things they let you do. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. It it would be totally, I, gosh, I mean, the things that you, the hoops you have to jump through now, right? To have a student and this and that, not then. So, you know, that, that sealed the deal for me. And I started going to graduate school, very part-time very part-time for two reasons. One is that I had a really good time as an undergrad and had to prove myself that I could actually handle the rigors of graduate school. So I had to do it piecemeal before I could apply and prove myself to the UConn School of Social Work that I could actually be a proper graduate student in their program. (laughs) Yeah. And truth be told, I didn't get in the first time. I had to wait and take a couple more classes. So, you know, that was humbling. Um, and I, but I kept at it and I was working full time and then, you know, I got enrolled in the program and had field placements and decided to, you know, make group work, my focus, my major method, cause it was a, a method school method program. UConn used to be the number one rated group work program in the country for social oh, wow. for a lot of years. And then, you know, over time, like a lot of graduate programs after I left, they became kind of a generalist practice. But I had the great pleasure of being mentored by some of the, the greatest social work, group work folks in the country, Al Lisi, Julianne Wayne. They were my mentors. I have a question lined up about groups because I'm so yep, excited to yep, yep. talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, IFS was nowhere on the horizon at that point, but I, I got through my graduate program and I was exhausted and uh, my second field placement hired me. That was at a day treatment program at a local hospital, teaching hospital. And, you know, they got me from student through licensure. Ultimately, after my 11 years of being there, I ended up being a program manager for all three programs, day treatment programs. And I was this psychiatric social work supervisor for the hospital. So I had big jobs and, you know, I had one foot in clinical, one foot in hospital management. But before that world happened, after licensure, I was looking around one day, still exhausted from all of the academic stuff and going to school. And the next thing I know, I'm like, is this all there is? And, and, you know, I, I, I tell folks that I remember sitting in a staff meeting and, uh, getting very frustrated at the turnaround, the turnkey inpatient admissions from our patients thinking, what are we doing here? You know, what are we doing? And saying, are we just doing psychiatric palliative care? And I was, you know, 
I was summarily chastised for that comment uh, privately afterward. And I thought, and then I just, I just, I just plummeted emotionally and I had a real dark night of the soul. And I said, you know what? I can't throw these last X years, five years, six years, seven years of hard work away. Just, just, just for this, there's gotta be more. So I said, and I guess it's time to go back to therapy. So, you know, I called somebody that I knew from the community and I said, listen, you, you got any room in the inn? And she said, yes. And so my first appointment, she said to me, you know, I just want you to know, I just learned this, this new model. It's called IFS and I use it exclusively in my practice. And I hope that's okay with you. <laughs> Man. That was it. The and universe I, just, <laughs> just opened just, it up for you. Yeah. It did. And I, you know, in retrospect, she, she embodied the self energy that my system needed. She was confident, mm. clear. She was, she was kind, not overly effusive, but she was really, I felt connected and I didn't, I, I didn't care what she wanted to use as a model of therapy. I wanted to feel better. And it was her energy that let me trust her to say, I'll do, I'll follow you anywhere. So that was the beginning. And, you know, we, we clocked in some hours together. Pro that was probably 2002, 2003-ish. And by 2005, I was like, I got the bug, man. I got the bug. So, yeah. Was was that a gradual thing over over those years or were there instances that you can remember where you're like, "Oh, this is it. Like IFS is something yeah. different." Yeah, probably a year into my own therapy. I knew just from having the experiences in my own therapy of healing and unburdenings and parts being witnessed by me and by her for what they were holding and thinking like, this is very different. This is nothing like I've ever seen. And I said, I'm not doing anything else. And how do I do this? And then it became, how do I afford this? Cause I had parts that were really focused on poverty consciousness at that point, you know, I couldn't afford it. Um, so it was a workshop here and a workshop there. It was reading this kind of like what everybody else is doing, you know, and, yeah. and it was the Cape Cod Institute that was a turning point. And I said, I've got to do this. And a few more years passed. And, um, my grandmother passed in 2009, three months before her 103rd birthday. Yeah. And that's something she, she was, she, was something. Yeah. Oh. she left, you know, she had, she had a little something left over from my mom. And my mom had heard me talking about this model of therapy, this IFS stuff, IFS, and how I wished I could afford to do the training. And I'm, you know, putting money away. And one day my mom said to me, I think Nana would be very happy to help you with this if she were around. So she gave me half of the money for the tuition. Wow. It changed my life. Talk about an heirloom, right? <laughs> Talk about an heirloom. If it weren't for that, and that was it. And I was able to sign up for my level one in 2010, finished in 2011. And I just, then I took my level two and then I started PA. I bet I PA'd about, God, at least a dozen to 15 times. I 
have five of my own trainings under my belt of just things that I took. So, and that's a massive commitment. Like I was, I was amazed at what the PAs did. I was like, wow, this is, this is a lot of. Yeah. And and we didn't get paid back then anything. I mean, they don't get paid, you know, much. It's really still, they get paid, but it's, it's, it's really, the trainers hold it as a volunteer kind of job because it's a long day. You wouldn't want to break down the hourly. They do it because they love it and they're committed to it and they want to pay, they want to pay forward and they want to learn. Yeah. So you, uh, you eventually take the training, you go level one, level two, and you're just like off to the races. I'm off to the races. And I'm what's like, happening professionally for you at this time? So at this time, I'm, I'm still at that first hospital gig. But at that point, I, before my training, um, I had, you know, between the day, the, my own work and these one day workshops and Cape Cod Institute and reading, I, you know, had the gift of desperation at work to say, I know enough to be dangerous. Let me just try to, to go in and implement some of these individual components in the group. So I, you know, I tell the story of the whiteboard. So it was the whiteboard group, right? You know, I was always using the whiteboard. In this particular day, I used Marielle Pastor's uh, mandala. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I started drawing the white uh, the mandala on the board. And, and just all- as a note for yeah. listeners, I'll put in a link so that they can see oh, this. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, and I did the kind of swirly thing and I put self in the middle and they're just kind of watching me. And then I started asking them questions. Like I, I looked at the group and said, let me ask you all a question. Okay. So some of you in here carry this diagnosis of bipolar disorder. So yeah, I said, you know, okay, show of hands. And I said, what if, what if it were possible that instead of saying I'm bipolar, you were able to say that a part of you gets really, really manic and really high. And another part of you gets really, really depressed and really low. What does that feel like? Does that feel different to you? Yeah. Would you rather hold it that way if it was an option? Yeah. So what if I told you it is? And what if we started talking about what other parts of you get really extreme? And so I just started naming them. Or they, excuse me, they started naming them. So I started putting them where managers, firefighters, and exiles would go. And just engaging them. One by one, they started filling in on the board what their parts were in extreme, right? And what happened if they didn't do that, they would name the exiles that would come up. Wow. And do you remember what they started to notice in their own system as they began to, to, to do this? They weren't broken. Yeah. They weren't broken. They had parts that got extreme. Yeah. yeah. And it made sense. Yeah. And it made sense. And they were desperate to learn more about, well, how do I change that? You know, how, you know, they, they go, cause they're so desperate. You, if you're, you know, day treatment is one step below inpatient without the locks on the doors is how I like to hold it. And, you know, these folks were many of whom were in, you know, flying in and out of inpatient. We had somebody OD in group one day, like it was really heavy duty work. So for these folks to, to all of a sudden have this hope, right. That, gosh, I'm not this broken thing. 
And I'm not this one thing. I'm, I'm a human being who's complex, who can also have more parts, but can also have this, this place inside of me too. That's a soft place to land mm. was a game changer mm. for them. And yeah, I just wow. kept playing with it. And, you know, eventually I left there because I had a, a wonderful opportunity that, that actually came out of having cancer, um, was oh, a job wow. offer. Yeah. A job offer at another clinic that I kind of crafted where I left to have a part-time gig to build my practice. And I ran, um, I developed and ran an outpatient group program that was exclusively IFS based and they, they just let me have at it. So free reign and you just got to do it. And so was that, so that move then you're just doing IFS exclusively. That's part of your personal practice. That's part of your, your private practice. And then you're doing the group work. As That's well. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And so can we, can, can we say then just the rest is history like this? And the rest is history. The rest yeah, is history. Yeah. yeah. So then it, it, you know, PA after PA after PA and using it there and then expanding my practice and um, then presenting at the conference on IFS with groups and kind of getting a little bit more visibility that way. And, you know, then in 2017, getting on a trainer track is a, a AT mentee and the, yeah. the rest of that is history. <laughs> yeah. So listeners will have heard you mention, uh, you know, firefighters and managers and parts and self. And so my next question is about just explaining the IFS model. And so we have had other wonderful IFS leaders on. And so um, we've had this described before, but perhaps there are some new listeners. So I'm curious, how do you describe it when it's like an elevator pitch to somebody who has never heard of this before? What, what is your, your way in? My way in is that um, when somebody asks me about it, I say to them, have you ever found yourself in, in a situation where you, you've got to make a decision about something and you're in this constant inner battle? where you're really torn, you don't have clarity about the decision. And you say, a part of me wants to do this and a part of me wants to do that. And you go back and forth and they're like, yeah. And, and I say, yeah, that's a thing. And me too. Well, in IFS, we call those parts of ourselves, the parts of ourselves that can get in conflict, that have one opinion and somebody else in there has another opinion. And then when we get really curious, we find that things like anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive thoughts, those are parts too. That's not who you are. Those are, those are parts. And they, they get kind of curious. And I say, so the other piece of the model is that we have this thing called self-energy. And that's, for me, I describe it as my soul. My, and, you know, living in a predominantly Judeo-Christian area of the country, people get that. And I say, you know, it can be for somebody else, a place where they're really dropped in, in the zone, just kind of really feeling the essence of everything that they are inside of themselves and nothing around them spinning around them else matters. And whether that's a courageous voice in the zone, whether that's calmness or that's a place where when we work with people's parts we help those parts be less extreme so they don't eclipse that natural state of being in you. Mm. And so that's kind of one piece of it. 
And another yeah. elevator, another elevator piece of it for some people, if you know, depending on where I am, is I say, you know, I've been a therapist for 25 plus years and I've seen, uh, I'm a trauma therapist. I've seen a lot of different models and by far, this is the most gentle, kindest, most respectful model of therapy I've ever used. And people get real curious then. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. And so I am also imagining that listeners would say, all right, so I understand that I, that, you know, certainly have these inner conflicts. So I'm pulled one way or, you know, a part of me want this, a part of me wants that. What are these parts? Are they just, I mean, are, are they metaphors? And this is, this is a question that I, that I have for a while have just pushed off to the side. Cause like, let's just, you know, the model works. We're just going to treat these parts. And, um, as a quick aside, I, I had a training with Bob Falconer once, mm -hmm. um, Yep. And he said, you know, the work goes so much faster. I, and I, I, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but the work goes so much faster if you treat parts as spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time I was like, oh, I can't do that. No, I like, I, I like parts are metaphors or, you know, this is, this is, a, this is a, just a really, uh, you know, clever way to understand our inner world. But the more I've done this, the more I've worked it, the more I have uh, had my, my own um, IFS therapy, the more I feel like, oh, no, I think Bob might be, I mean, Bob can be right about treating them as spiritual beings and maybe they're nothing of the sort, but um, there's something there. And so I'm curious how you think about parts, like what they actually are. I just think they're little personalities of ourselves. So here's the thing. You can have anything outside of the state of being we call self-energy is a part. Okay. So we, if we think about that self energy as soul or spirit, mm -hmm. then anything that we are experiencing outside of that is a part. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, so when I, as we, as we're holding it in, in my vernacular of a soul, right. Or spiritual state of being, I just want to be clear that for some people, you know, that may be too Zen. It may be yeah. the act of, of, embodying courage or confidence that has a different energy but has the same the same role which is it is that which grounds us into the state of being of who we are at our core like i'm married to somebody whose self energy is probably courage mm. i would not say calm is her go to but i would say courage is <laughs> yeah, she can access calm though. <laughs> oh, sure, of course, yes, yes, yeah, 100%. yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's she's a great example of very different self energy from me. Yeah. So you think of parts as another common synonym was just these sub personalities. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's aligned with the model. It's a multiplicity model. It's not a yeah. unit model, right? One of the things that I was really surprised at as I got deeper into trainings, deeper into the model is, I, you know, I began thinking about these as parts as metaphors. You know, I have an angry part, it's like anger, but, you know, we can treat it as a, as a part. And I don't remember, I, I, it might've been after the Bob Falconer quote, 
And so I started to really, the, the hardest part of the six Fs was the part where we ask the client, the person to notice how that compassion from yourself, how this part is responding That's right. to that. And that was really hard for me because like metaphors don't respond. It'd be like asking, how is that painting responding to the love that you're giving? It's like, well, it's not, it's a painting. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. now having done this enough, parts absolutely respond. <laughs> they totally respond. That's yeah. right. And yeah. so what I do you think of, about that? I think I hold them as little internal sentient beings, whether they show up as a cloud or they look like a little Justin or a little Susie, at, you know, yeah. three or four. Um, for those of us who have visual, you know, visual cueing. I mean, most of my parts at this point look like me at different stages of my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, they're in the early days, they didn't, they look like other things, but they clearly energetically always felt like they were their own entity and personality. For yeah. me, the sacred yeah. is in the relationship building. They, they may not be sacred. They may become sacred to me as, as yeah. the relationship deepens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in the relationship building that is the sacred process. Yeah. And this is, I, I'm, I have a part that's like, oh, this is going to get too much in the weeds. You got to pull, pull back. <laughs> um, but I also like to just follow my aliveness. And so one of the things, um, I don't know that we got to really focus a lot on this in our training together that you led, but, um, at the end of the training manual, there's a, um, a practice of getting to know the self of the parts. Ah. And, I w- and that blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, so this is like fractal. And it go- I mean, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure we are, we are uh, I, I am losing listeners as, as, as we speak. But the reason that I bring it up is just that there's this really fascinating and I've now seen like this real quality where, where parts have their own self energy or this, this, this own soul, this own spirit, whatever you want to call it. And that, uh, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's been a super cool realization for me. This is um, deep, deep work. hundred percent. Yeah, that's yeah. where that's where the positive intent comes from. I think that's mm. just an opinion, you know. It's yeah, uh, yeah, the positive intent, you know. It's it's and when you say positive intent, you're referring to the the idea that there are no bad parts. All parts have a positive intent for that's right. for for us. Yeah, that's I've never met a part, no matter how extreme, cruel, unkind, you name it, it's the words that we would describe as disparaging in its behavior. When you get down to it and you really unpack what its hope is in doing that job, you, you get the positive intent. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And how liberating that is inside to know even, oh, even these darkest, scariest parts. Yeah. That, that, that they, that they have these positive intents. And, and so, um, the next question was about self and you already answered this idea that you can think about it as soul or spirit. Others might think about it just as these, um, these qualities like courage or, um, 
compassion, calmness, connection, all these C words that we uh, connect with Mm -hmm. self. I guess the other question that I have about self is, you know, in, in IFS practice, we are inviting parts. So we want to go to a target part to get to know it better. Right. And the, and the big goal is to get as much space inside for true self to, so that we can just be with this part mm-hmm. because if other parts come in, it's kind of like a third person butting into our conversation. Like, can 100%. this part just ease, just ease back? Yeah. One of the misconceptions that I had when I was learning this model is like, oh, we need to just clear out the parts so that we can just have true self and just walk around all day with just true self. And <laughs> A, I have found that that's impossible. <laughs> right. I see you've been updated, Jessica. <laughs> um, and B, uh, the like parts really want to be in relationship with the self and, and they're there and like they want jobs, like they want to do stuff in the world. And so I'm wondering if you can say more about this part to self relationship that we're really trying to aim for. Yeah. Yes, that is probably other than kind of learning, you know, uh, the scales, if you will, of, of the flow of the model. The most important thing is, is the relationship building because without it, parts can't be witnessed. They can't have a corrective emotional experience and they can't be unburdened from the beliefs that they have about themselves in the world. So to create that, the first step is for the therapist to have a critical mass of self energy on board, right? And, you know, if you, if, if you, if you're a therapist that you've got some cases that have felt like heavy lifting and you see this person, oh gosh, they're on my schedule or, you know, they're on my dance card today. And you start to feel getting, you're getting all partsy, you know, um, <laughs> the first thing you got to do is you got to check in with them to make space in yourself to know that you're going to be able to be there for this person. So that's number one is therapist having critical mass of self energy, because then we don't have to effort. We just have to be a guide. Then we literally just have to hold space and offer these lovely questions and flow to the best of our ability and help the client in the process of that to themselves have as much spaciousness inside of them to let their self energy show up. And then we help them get in relationship with their part, their target part, right? And the only way we can help them do that starts with us being unblended and having that mm-hmm. critical self-energy on board. And then, then you just sit back and guide. And yeah, there's times that you can't get somebody unblended. You see the clock going, right? It's 20 minutes into a session. They're having a hard time getting unblended. You know what? We have this wonderful tool called direct access where... I look at it as, okay, so they're having parts of Palooza. It's, it's a thing. And I'm just going to lend a little self-energy to the system right now. And I'm going to do some direct access. And depending on how entrenched the parts of Palooza is, will guide me if I need to do it implicitly or explicitly. Mm-hmm. Do I talk to the part directly or do I know this person's just so blended with said parts that are popping in that I'm just going to talk to them like I'm talking to them directly sitting across from me. I literally imagine that part kind of leading them oh, in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That minute. Okay. That's where we are today. 
Yeah. So this is a really key concept. And so I'd love for you to just say a little bit more about it. I, I, I think it's pretty clear, but this idea of blended. So when you say somebody's blended, can mm-hmm. you say a, a little bit more about that? Yeah. So imagine somebody is looking at, you're looking at them sitting across from you and you're like, who are you and what did you do with Justin? <laughs> um, I, I don't know this guy. So I'm going to get curious about the guy that's sitting across from me. Be- and, and sometimes I will ask, Justin, you want to work with that anxious part, right? Or depressed part or whatever. Yeah, I do. Well, we're going to hear every, every manager fear and concern under the sun. Just because you want to work with it doesn't mean the rest of the system does. Mm. So you might get blended with one of those, those protectors that doesn't want you to go there. And so the tell for me is that I'm getting all of this interference coming in. And I might ask, Justin, how, how blended do you feel with all these parts that are flying in that don't want to work? Very. So maybe yeah. we'll go <laughs> yeah. anxiety or depression. Let's just kind of hang out with these guys for a little bit. Yeah. 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 So blended is, or they could, or you don't have parts of Palooza. You get a, everything's fine. You start working on the, let's say a depressed part. Um, just things pop into my head. And all of a sudden you get really sad looking really sad looking. And you, I say, how do you feel toward it? And you say, I really get it. And I say, tell me more about that. Cause I really get it could be a compassionate statement of understanding, or it could be a sign that the person is really blended with the target. Mm. So then I might yeah. ask, yeah, so I'm hearing you really get it. So just take a minute and notice Justin, how blended do you feel with how much you get it? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. And then I might ask the part to give you space. Yeah. That's been a key word that has come into our household over the last several years. And it just came up yesterday for me. Some some family things occurred mm-hmm. and I was just feeling it in my gut. And I and I said I'm I'm blended with the part right now. Like I don't think I can respond in a way that's going to be useful. And and now everybody in the house knows, okay, dad's blended. He's gonna <laughs> Take a step yeah, back. Take, take, take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> take a step back and say hello to that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I love it's like, it's, it's a really easy term to incorporate. At least it has been for, for us. And what I love about it just in everyday life is that it doesn't require that I come in and fix it right away. Like I'm blended. Like I stop. It's like, no, I can just notice I'm blended and this might not be the best time for me to open my mouth right now and, and say yeah. what's on my mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about blended parts is that you can ask them to unblend. You can ask them to give you space. And if they don't want to, you can get curious about why. And they'll usually tell you like, well, I don't want to be dismissed again. I, I'm here. I'm getting some attention now. I find, yeah, I find that sometimes maybe often difficult to do in the moment and so I'll need to just take a break. I'm going to go into my office or I might take a walk and then, yeah, and then I can start to get curious. But in the moment, oh, yeah, the parts, the, like the part feels like it's like a monkey just hanging on like, no, <laughs> I'm not unblending. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Sue, so I'm, I'm really curious. I've been just itching to get to the question about groups because I'm yeah. really interested in groups. I actually started my IFS work 
in groups because I originally was doing um, mindfulness-based stress reduction in a childhood cancer parent setting. And I've been doing that for a while. Wasn't loving the response. Like parents weren't crazy about it, but no, you know, I kept- can imagine not. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't imagine having a kid with cancer and having somebody tell me to be mindful about you are absolutely feeling. correct. And so uh-huh. we uh, uh, yeah, so this was part of a study I was doing as a part of my training. And and so I was starting to bring in more emotion focused stuff. Um, but then it wasn't until I'd learned about IFS. And I was like, oh, I just want to into the, the mindfulness stuff that or into the meditations we, we we were doing it was starting to just add parts stuff. And so I just loved it. And that's kind of where things began for me. So I would love to hear more about groups for you. So I, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what, what makes IFS groups uh, different from the one-on-one work that, that you do? So when you do an IFS group and versus when you do a one-on-one, can you just not go as deep with the group work? Do you have different aims when it comes to the groups versus yeah. one-on-one? Yeah. So um, basically, you know, the, the first and foremost thing is to help folks use the language of IFS so that they get it that, again, they have this multiplicity within themselves. So a lot of the focus is just on understanding what IFS is and what why it's different from other modalities that you might find in group. So not unlike, you know, individual. Um, and so helping people wrap their head around just the paradigm shift uh, is useful. And then because of that, it's really the goal is about engendering an awareness that, oh my, you know, somebody else in this group has the same experience of a part in them that they have in me. And if I can witness them, then you know, my part in turn is going to get witnessed as well. That has a similar experience. And in the process of that back and forth, it's about creating kind of like the self of the group. Mm. And the goal is not unburdening. The goal is creating community. It's to create a self energy of the group so that people feel heard and seen and witnessed in a way, because, you know, in, in, you know, we talked a little about your church background, the concept of witnessing, right? That's a very historic, certainly Christian based experience, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And more powerful than saying, I got a secret in front of a room full of people and not, <laughs> yeah. not being judged for it yeah. or yeah. shame. Yeah. So that witnessing. And what I found is that sometimes having those vulnerabilities be witnessed organically on the spot parts can get kind of unburdened wow yeah so are there unique benefits in a in a grow i mean i'm hearing the one of the unique benefits is this witnessing i mean there is some witnessing of course you're witnessing mm-hmm. uh, a client but mm-hmm. it's different when there's a group witnessing yeah. your parts yeah. oh and that's the difference from other modalities yeah. It's yeah. being witnessed in a way that people have also spoken that they may share in the same part and they're not interrupting a person's process of being heard and seen. They're not, if they're trying to caretake, then as therapist, I would redirect them to, to check in and say, I'm just wondering what's going on for you. Justin, as you're listening, 
And if those, if there's, it sounds like there's a part of that has some concern, mm-hmm. you, know, you want to yeah. speak for it because, you know, so-and-so is really, is really needing some space with yeah. you right to be heard. One of the other things that just came to mind was I, I've been in many trainings and of course the training that you gave where there are live demos with students. And I've been uh, the object or the subject of these before. Um, But when I am just the, uh, when I'm just the observer, just one of the group, just observing the demo, I have noticed something happens for me. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's Mm -hmm. not just so I can take notes and figure out how this is done, but there's like something happens inside. Some parts get a little bit more connected to self, a little bit more room for self. And I've, I've, I've been surprised over the years that like, there's just something healing about even just being a part, just, just observing it. 150%. 150%. And you can ask people who are lead trainers now, senior lead trainers that took their training in the beginning. It's the same experience. It is a ubiquitous experience um, that you don't have to be the one in the demo and your parts are listening. Remember me saying our parts listen all their pain. (laughs) That's right. So don't think if you're in a group and somebody else is having an experience of being heard for the first time that it's not going to resonate with somebody else's parts that are listening and that they're going to have a little healing too. Like, wow, Justin isn't bad. So maybe I'm not bad either. Mm, Yeah. yeah. Right. And I'm not telling Justin that he's not bad. Justin's figuring it out for himself. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that is, yes. And I just want to double click on that. One of the coolest things about IFS for me is that it's, I mean, it really fundamentally, it is self-led, like nobody needs to be told or, or you know, it's, it's like all this wisdom is already in there. You just like step back and you just watch it unfold. Yeah. To be told is anathema to IFS. Yes. Yeah. Right. We ask, yeah. we don't tell because we respect yeah. parts. They have a reason for being there. Yeah. 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 And then once, once parts start to build a relationship with self, what I've seen is their, their own wisdom starts to click in and like they're, they're like, yeah, maybe that thing that was counterproductive in your life. Like I would really like to be able to stop that or, you know, they don't need to be told, Hey, that's counterproductive. You have to stop that. Like they know. (laughs) They've been told that. I'll say, you know, how's that been working for you? You know, yeah, they know. And, and they want to, it's like, it's not like, well, I guess I should. It's like once, I mean, in my experience, once Mm -hmm. there's a critical mass of self on board, these, these parts, like their, their wisdom just clicks, clicks in. You don't, you don't need to lead them. You don't need to. No, that's right. Tell them what to do. So, so Sue, I'm, I'm, you have been a part of IFS for a long time. You Mm -hmm. have gone through all these different trainings. And so I'm curious for you, uh, have your views changed over the years? Anything that you have, um, you know, changed your mind about or has evolved for you with IFS? Huh. Yeah. It's allowed me to have a lot more grace for myself and other people. I started doing this thing called backyard chats, back deck chats, back probably 10 years ago at our old condo. 
And it was out of desperation of having a different relationship with family members. And so I decided that, well, if I can talk to my parts and my siblings protectors won't let me talk to theirs, but if I really do believe in this concept that, you know, like with legacy burdens, inviting in the highest potential for good, right, of a person, what if I were to invite in the highest potential of good, for good, of my siblings, of my mom, of my dad, and let my parts speak directly through me to them in a way that they've never been able to. And, you know, of course it's in my mind's eye, but there's an energy. And I would say within about a year or so of doing that, my relationship started changing with my siblings first and then my mom. And uh, I think it was easiest with my dad who's deceased because um, you know, he's been in what I like to refer to as a spiritual hospital for a long time mm, and mm-hmm. to, to get that soul energy here in a way that could be available to parts of me that needed him to witness hurt was very powerful. Wow. Yeah. And so I literally started seeing a change and now I can tell you, I have a really great relationship with my siblings in a way that I never, ever imagined. Mm. Wow. And I'm hearing, so this leads directly into my next question about spirituality. I'm hearing, you know, we've talked already about spirit and soul, talked about spirituality just now. So can you say a little something about the connection between IFS and spirituality? This has been one of maybe the most surprising thing for me is how spiritual it is and how it has it has changed my relationship with spirituality because before IFS, you know, I spent my entire adult life in academia, mm. just a typical secular academic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was not okay when Bob Falconer said the sacred beings thing. I was like, yeah, not for me. But um, I, it it has really changed things for me, and I have no problem saying that I am spiritual now because of IFS. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny. Um, not much has changed for me. Mm. I mean, this is just kind of how I've rolled. This is mm-hmm. spirituality has been an important part of my life from the time I came into this world. I, I, I joke with people and say, when I was a little girl, when I was little, like I would go on my swing set, you know, like six years old and under, I would take a hand towel from the kitchen, put it on my head like I was a nun. And I would sit on my swing and I'd swing back and forth and say, I just want, I just want to serve you, God. I just want to serve you. And, you know, the whole celibacy thing like ruined it for me, uh, not to mention the whole Catholicism thing <laughs> ruined it for me. I, I, I became an Episcopalian after many, many years of searching for a home. Yeah, but yeah. I think, I think that it, it always felt sacred. I think it's the sacredness of the model that, has always felt spiritual back in the early days of my training. We were, we were taught that Dick recognized there was a spiritual component to it, but because of you academic folk and the, you know, the EBTs out there, right. They, they frowned on this concept of mixing spirituality with psychotherapy. Right. So Dick didn't want that to kind of be out in the ether and until he did. And, uh, you know, once we got some street cred, it, 
it made a big difference. I thought it was a psycho-spiritual model from the beginning. It, it, mm. it could not be because of the energy that you feel inside when you're doing the work. It yeah. just feels different. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So beautiful. I, you know, I, I wish I could say something more exotic that, oh, I've had this huge. Oh trip. yeah. Like you, yeah, you had this transfer, but, but no, but it, but it, it hearing that it, that it worked so well, be, maybe because of this prior spirituality yeah, that you had. I, I, I just had a, a line of a, of a, a lyric in a song of a church I had belonged to many years ago. Uh, surely the presence of, of, Surely the presence of our God is in this place. And mm. it was a song that really moved me. Mm-hmm. And when I would hear people sing and the harmonies, it just always gave me, as a friend of mine calls them, truth bumps, you know? And mm. I guess IFS felt like surely the presence of our God is in this place, whatever the God of our understanding is. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Sue, we have a little bit of time left. Uh, we could start to wrap it up here, but mm-hmm. uh, I, we talked about leaving a little bit of time for maybe a very short demo. Sure. And so I want to be sure that we, so how does, how does no more than 15 minutes sound to you? Is sure. that okay? Yeah. All, all right. Cause I would really love for listeners to just see how this works um, sure. and see how you see how you work. I have to say right off the bat, I notice a part that is like, oh, we could just wrap it up here. You don't need to do this. Um, uh, you know, that doesn't want to reveal maybe stuff that I don't that I'm not sure about, because actually we talked about this before um, the podcast that I before this, I had a meeting that was contentious and I still feel parts alive around that. And I don't have any clarity. I like I really don't have a lot of clarity about it. So I don't even know what might come come up so that'll make it fun are you interested <laughs> yeah so so my first question yeah. is are you interested in in kind of finding out oh yeah i mean I, i'm i'm hearing inside yes absolutely want some clarity and then i've one part is like can we get this clarity maybe not on a podcast but uh i think that that part can ease can ease back uh, yeah great so so i'm hearing justin that what you want to focus on is what's happening inside you post this meeting that you had that's really yeah. not feeling good. It's really not feeling settled. It's not feeling good. Yeah, so- it's not it's not feeling settled. That's 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 for sure. Yeah. Okay. So Justin, take a minute and just just to settle in. Just to take a breath and settle in before we start and you can let me know when you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Great. So Justin, take a moment and check inside and see if there's any parts that have any concerns or fears about getting to know this part that just doesn't feel settled. Yeah. I mean, the, the only concern is just around this being on a podcast. If this weren't on a podcast, I think it, I, I know uh, that all, all parts would be like, yes, let's figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, not for nothing, that part's got some valid concerns. So why don't you take a minute and see what Mm -hmm. it needs from you about that? (laughs) It wants me to know that this could just be edited out. (laughs) You know, I had had a funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. 
Yeah. So how, how is it responding to that? That that's a, a oh, def- good. And I have other parts that are like, oh no, that we're going to leave in whatever happens because this is, this is important work. So, mm. um, yeah. And, and that part's fine with it. It like has this, it's almost like it has a little card. It's like, well, I can play this card of editing this out if, if I really want to, but now it's willing. I feel it on my left side and it's willing to step back. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So how is that feeling? A little more spacious? Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have a part that just wants to ask, do you want me to be a timekeeper? And if so, yes, yes. So, so, um, just, yeah. So it, it's two Oh two PM now. So at two fifteen, if you want to okay. kind of land the plane. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't want your system to have to worry about that. So beautiful. Great. Thank okay. you. Thank yeah. you. All right. So Justin, check inside again and just see if there's any other parts that have any other concerns or fears about getting to know this one who's not feeling settled. Nope. Okay, great. So do you have a sense of this one now, Justin, or do you need to invite it in to get a better sense? I want to invite it even more in. Like I can sense it, but it's not as strong because we've had such a wonderful conversation. And so most most of my parts are feeling good and relaxed. Um, and so I do want to invite this in. I think I, I, um, I want to, yeah, I've, want to give this part a little bit more space. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead and do that. Invite it in. And just, yeah, let- and just, just, just to let the listeners know, I'm, I'm bringing up the memory of the meeting to ah. help this part. Okay. Yeah. So let me know when you have a good sense of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So say a little bit about how you are experiencing it in or around your body any other ways. Yeah. So I'm noticing it in the top of my chest, my throat, my, my lips and mouth, and even up into my nose for some reason, which is kind of unusual, but it's kind of this energy from around my mouth, my throat to the top of my chest. Mm, Okay. So it's pretty close from your chest Mm -hmm. even to the tip of your nose. Okay. So with it being where it is, Justin, do you, do you feel like you have enough space to get to know it or would it be helpful to get a little more space from it? Mm, Yeah, I think it would help to get a little bit of space. Okay. So ask it if it would be willing to come outside of you, maybe even conversational distance. So you both can get to know each other a little bit more. See how it responds. Yeah. Yeah, so I can feel it ease out in front of me a little bit. Okay, great. Yeah, so how's that feeling in your body? I noticed a relaxation as it shifted out in front. Great. Okay. And as it's shifting out in front, how are you experiencing it now? I notice it as a shield. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you're noticing about it? It might kind of be like a like a knight or a soldier or something that is kind of holding a shield and is like ready to ready to shield me. Mm, okay. 
Yeah. So as you're seeing it in kind of that knight or soldier with a shield ready to shield you, how are you feeling toward it right now? Gratitude. Mm. So why don't you say Gratitude. Oh, well, uh, so I noticed gratitude, but then I also notice there's something else here. Um, a sense that um, I, I like, I don't, there's a part of me that doesn't want this type of protection that I want to, that I want to be able to respond in a, in, and in, interact with others without this part. So I'm noticing a little resistance to, to this part. Okay. Yeah. So the part that just popped in that has that resistance, what are its yeah. concerns about you working with this part? It actually doesn't have concerns working with it. It just is, it just kind of came, came in and was like, yeah, this doesn't like it. I, I don't care for this part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, ask it, would it be willing to ease back behind you? And it cannot like it just from behind you. Yeah. Yeah, I notice it on my right side and, and easing, easing back behind me. Okay. Yeah, so let me know when it happens. Yeah. yeah, I'm just acknowledging it and letting it know that I hear it. Good. That's great. Hmm. Yeah, now I'm just noticing the gratitude. I'm noticing now that this part is younger than I thought it was mm. or appears now. About how old? Getting the sense that it's maybe early teens. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. Yeah, so are you interested in getting to know more about why it showed up with you today? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you let it know that? And just see how it responds to you, your interest. It's it's kind of lowering the shield, and yeah, he's he's um, yeah, he's just kind of looking at me now. Oh, and how are you feeling toward him as he's looking at you? So it's, I think the closest word is compassion, but there's a sense of like, oh, yeah, you're like, you're pretty young and, um, yeah, like you're too, like, you're too young to be a soldier. Like, mm -hmm. what a tough job for a young guy. <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe you can let him know that and see how he responds to that awareness from you. Yeah, he says, but he likes, like, he likes it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, like, kind of a teenage boy, like, I like to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ask him to tell you what he likes about that. He says it's like a, like, like sports. It's, like, challenging and fun and, um, and he's good at it. Um, it's, you know, just likes it's, it'd be like, 
yeah, just like it's a like it's a sport. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, ask him what he doesn't like about it. Other people don't enjoy Uh this. Or or what he's telling me is like not everybody enjoys. Like there are some people who enjoy the sport and some people who don't. That's right. Yeah. That makes sense to you that he would feel that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So let him know that you really are getting it. Yeah, and he's letting me know that he doesn't get to do this these days <laughs> for, you know, that, that this is the, he, that he doesn't get the, yeah, he doesn't get to play this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And maybe ask him, Justin, what exactly is his role when he plays this game? I'm getting the sense that he, so he, helps me be right he helps me be right yeah and and but he himself is like he's not as concerned about like the rightness or the truth like he just like there's another part that's concerned about being being about correctness or truth or rightness but he likes to come in and do the battles Mm -hmm. um, on that other part's behalf Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. I, I have to say, I, I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't have any clarity around that mm-hmm. before he just. Yeah. Well, so let him know you're really that. getting it. That that he's somebody yeah. who comes in to help you be right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we've got about a minute left. Mm-hmm. So for one more question for now for him, Justin, ask him yeah. if he didn't get to play this game and help you be right. What is his worst fear that would ever happen? That people wouldn't. Yeah, there's there, there's a social component here that people, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't understand me, wouldn't see me. Um, I would be invisible. Yeah. Oh wow. What a big job for a young guy. Yeah. And how are you feeling toward him as you hear that? Hmm. Oh, I, yeah. A lot of love. A lot of love for this, for this guy. Yeah. Is he, is he feeling it from you? Yeah, he's he's wary of it because he knows there are other parts that um, that aren't crazy about his job or the way he does his job, and um, so he's so he's not fully trusting in this love, and mm-hmm. and I and and I can sense those parts as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, I mean nine times out of 10, <laughs> this, this, this part creates animosity. So, or has mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. Well, that's certainly a cost to him. Yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe ask him, would he be interested in spending some more time with you sometime? I can hear a little bit more about what it's been like for him to have to deal with. Yeah. Anxiety. Yeah. And, and he wants to know, like, can I, can I, can I find other ways to do this? Like, I, like, I, I really enjoy this work. I, I want to find other ways to do this. 
That's yeah. what I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can let him know that's that's part of why you're here for him to help him with that. Yeah. Yeah. And just okay. maybe take a minute and thank him, Justin, for being here. And see if there's anything he needs until you can get back to him. Yeah, no, this, this, yeah, I am noticing just way more calmness, way more. I, I, I feel much more in my body. Um, yeah, so he feels good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Mm. One last thing. Got to yeah. check in with those parts that he's back and see how they're doing and if there's anything that they need. Yeah, the part that was concerned about the podcast is totally fine. Like, oh, yeah, nope. I mean, all that stuff is, is there. Yeah. They're good. So he's, so he's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Good. Feeling well, good. thank them. Thank them for giving you space. Mm. That's yeah. big. Okay. Mm, thank you, Sue. Welcome. Thank a little, little mini demo on the first, <laughs> the first four Fs with a little bit of finding out its role. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that was that was great. Oh, my gosh. Well, so I know that you have a heart out in a couple minutes. And so I just want to ask real quick. So is there anything new, challenging, interesting that's happening in your life right now that, that you want to talk new, about? New, challenging, and interesting. It, um, honestly, it's personal. It's helping our sweet little Sasha, our puppy that you met, who turned a year. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. To be a good citizen. We're, you know, I'm really, <laughs> yeah. you know, this yeah. is a game and, you know, we haven't had a puppy in 20 years and I feel like. We want to we want to do it differently. She's portable, and we want to have a different different life with her. Um, I'm just throwing myself into working on lectures for level ones, um, mm. having you know yeah. having those kind of tucked away, and then just morphing them with each training. No, oh, yeah, and and some of that is because I want to. I did I did start a book on IFS with groups that I did get the oh. first. Yeah, the first first draft is done but it's, it's collecting dust while I'm in lecture writing mode. So yep. once that's done, cool. um, yep. So I'll get back to that. And my hope is to do some, some workshops, whether it's an online one day workshop, whether, whether it's about group or it's about a, a specific aspect of the model, you know, mm. maybe by 2024, 2025. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I would love to have you back on when the book is out. Sure. That yeah. Would, yeah, that would that would be wonderful. Yeah. So, uh, so so we we have three final questions that we ask every guest, and so these are just rapid fire. So the first one is: if you could put a big post-it note on everyone's refrigerator tomorrow morning, they wake up, post-it note by Sue right on the fridge. What would it say? Be kind. It matters. And then the last quote that you can remember that changed the way you think or feel. Yeah, it's hard to hate someone you love. Mm. Wow. Saw that during Pride Month. Mm. It's hard to hate someone you love. Yeah. Beautiful. And then the final question is, what is one thing right now that gives you hope? Mm. Generation Z. 
looking mm. at my grandnieces and grandnephews and thinking about they're they're going to make the difference and i hope to live long enough to see it yeah oh yeah. amen amen oh well thank you sue this is beautiful that like i, I yeah i mean even those 15 minutes just made a really big difference in my oh, system. So cool. thank you. <laughs> you are very welcome, Justin. Yeah. It's been so lovely to be with you again. Honestly, I could sit here and talk to you all afternoon, but I think my, my three o'clock client would not be happy about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sue, thank you again. I can't wait to have you back on. Pleasure. Looking forward to it. Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents, so let's spread the love.